Welcome to the latest episode of Platform. Today, we're going to be speaking to a true icon of the sport, Eric Schrein. I first saw Eric skating in VG4, Puppets of Destiny, which was the third skate video I'd ever seen and the first one I had owned. And at the time, he was riding for Fiction and Senate. You know, everyone that had a section in the early VGs or most of the VGs went on to have just incredible skate careers, picked up loads of sponsorships. Most of them got pro skates, not most of them, a, lo a lot of them got pro skates. And Eric was one of these people that was a part of many just huge brands at that time. He was one of the original members of the Senate Kill Team. He was then on Rollerblade during probably their most lucrative period in the aggressive market. And he was also on Gap which was kind of symbolic of how mainstream rollerblading had become. It was on X Games. I feel like every week there was just a new event on TV, whether it was ASA, NIS, Bercy, B3, uh, the MTV Sports and Music Awards, and of course X Games. And I even, I'm sure I saw Eric in a Gap advert on TV as well, um, rollerblading in like a white studio. So he just was kind of there for like the massive boom that happened in the 90s. And unlike many of his contemporaries who, you know, quit or got injured or just faded out over the course of the next decade he stuck with it he ended up joining k2 getting a pro skate from them and after senate got rid of their team he ended up riding for eulogy he had multiple pro wheels for them continued releasing parts and started esco zoo media with i think it was with bo coddington and uh, robert Leavanos, but i'm going to fact check that and they put out a bunch of videos over the years and he just kept going and um, he's still skating to this day not as much as he used to but his like impact on blading is undeniable. He has one of the best top acids in the game, one of the best kind grinds in the game as well, and just had a really good distinctive style. Um, he put out a bunch of video parts. Some of them I want to talk about, like his part in the first Senate video, Day of the Rope. And also want to talk about what it was like filming with Dave Payne for Video Groove. Uh, he also had a section in a video called Back in the Day, which looked like they just did a massive tour all over America. So lots to talk about. I'm sure he's got some incredible, interesting stories. Before that, though, cue the music. And we're there after technical difficulties. <laughs> a little bit. It's cool. I think it's because of my phone. It's, it's, I need an update. <laughs> right. Okay. Need an upgrade. <laughs> how you, how you doing? Doing all right. How you doing, Dan? I'm good. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's evening here, but it's morning there. So have you just started your day or do you normally get up early? Yeah, I normally get up early. Uh, do a couple of things around the house, wake up the little one. I was about to say you've got a you've got a young daughter, so hello. Hello. <laughs> yeah, she wants to join us. That's cool. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So yeah, definite every morning's an early morning when you have a daughter. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So you're gonna you're gonna answer questions for your dad if he if he doesn't know the answers. Are you gonna you're gonna help out? Are you gonna help me with the answers? Yeah. 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 This is we're we're about to test how how well you know your dad then. Mm. <laughs> so for the longest time when I was a teenager, me and all my friends used to really butcher your second name, and we used to all call you Eric Shridgen. Because when you're 13 um, and you have no concept of the world or, you know, people from people with uh, like, yeah, second names from different, like, you know, cultural and ethnic backgrounds, you just pronounce yeah. it as you see it. And as soon as you see a J, you, you pronounce the J. And it was, yeah. only, it was only over a year later when I saw your section in VG4, Puppets of Destiny, that I realized we'd all been saying it wrong. And it was Eric Shrine. <laughs> So I, I wonder how many people were in that book. Did, did people like mispronounce your name a lot like back then or? Dude, my, uh, all my life, it's been, it's been fun. Uh, my uh, PE teacher probably like butchered it the most. Like every day he'd be like, Scridgen, Scrygen, Scrin. <laughs> like he would always bust my ass over my name. It was so funny. He's like, Scridgen, get on your number. Number 14, get on there. Like every day it was something different. And then. <laughs> All my friends and like uh, would see that and they would just copy my coach and it was just I never heard the end of it but it was kind of it was funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, guys, it's trying. I know. <laughs> Normally, you never see like a J so far up in in a name like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can appreciate that. Yeah, my second name is McNamara, so I've had them all. I've had Macamara, like McManama, like people people pronounce it like it's an Asian second name. It's yeah, I've I every can... letter, you know. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, I can I can relate to that. Um, so that was I think that was yeah that was like the third skate video I'd ever seen, but it was it was the first it was the first one I'd owned. And you'd been skating for a long time before that. You'd been skating for like like at least five or six years. Is that right? Oh yeah. So how oh, yeah. did how did the opportunity come about to be in Video Groove? Well, it all started with uh, pretty much Chris Edwards. Because um, me and my buddies, we were really into roller hockey, and um, we were uh, we were just jamming with hockey a lot, like at YMCA and at uh, and like with local friends. We would meet up at like abandoned uh, grocery store parking lots, and we would okay. uh, yeah, we would play roller hockey and stuff. And Chris Edwards was like the legend, like the 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 street legend, you know. And um, he would come around and he would just show, he would show us stuff, you know, like he'd basically be like, Oh, you know, this is another side of inline skating. I don't know if you guys know about it, you know, and he would do like these crazy power slides on some curbs and like that me and my friend Bo Coddington were, uh, were just like, I don't know, we were mesmerized. And from that point on, we just got into, uh, we got into aggressive skating and like just being obsessed with Chris Edwards. Like we followed everything he did. And it was funny because at that time that's when airborne was coming around right. and, uh, like, dude, I was a freshman in high school and uh, it was just like straight. It was so addictive. Like we were so addicted to this dude. And uh, from that point, like we would, uh, we were skating a lot. We would street skate all the time. And um, uh, eventually just being close to Chris, like uh, Chris was a youth pastor and I was in his youth group and um, we were, we were just with him all the time. And uh, he had a skate park, uh, a little indoor skate park. And one day uh, he invited um Dave Payne, Jess Darenforth, uh, a bunch of people, a bunch of old school um, roll, team rollerblade guys, like Alan Bono and um, yeah. a bunch of other people. 
And uh, they would come over and basically like over a few trips, uh, Dave Payne kind of noticed us and he was like, hey, you know, we're working on this project called 18 Days. And uh, if you, you know, you guys are, you know, good. Like if you guys want to submit some footage, you know, you'd be, you know, you'd be in it. Like, oh, hell yeah. And from that point on, just made a bunch of uh, sponsor me tapes. And uh, me and like two other guys, like Brian Bell and a bunch of other guys had like videos already made. And um, I just basically submitted a VHS to Dave Payne and uh, uh, I got it in 18 days. And that was like the first actual video groove like uh, uh, involvement. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or I project I was ever in. Right. I did not know you basically got like recruited into aggressive skating from the airman. That's, that's wild. Dude. Like, like that's, yeah. that, that's some serious OG status claim to fame there. Cause, cause some of like Chris Edwards firsts are in your local city, right? Cause like the first kink reel he did in Escondido. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he had a, um, he had a, uh, uh, well, he, he lived in Escondido and there's this local spot, uh, called the Fern Ramp. And it was, uh, at this guy's house, his name was Kenny. Uh, and he, uh, he had this ramp in, the, in his backyard and, um, that was pretty much there. Like everyone would go there. They filmed so many videos there, like dare to air and, um, a lot, like 18 days and a bunch of other videos. Oh, cool. And, um, like Edwards was, he was a, he was just, <laughs> he was a solid and, you know, just a legend. Yeah, so like, I was recently talking to him. Like he started up Birth again, and I saw his, that. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he's yeah, still yeah. got that. Like, in, like age has not dampened his enthusiasm one bit. He is still like hyper. He's like a hyperactive child. Yeah, yeah. He's like a bolt of lightning, dude. And his little boy, <laughs> it's it's so awesome, dude. Like it's it's an extension of him. Like it's just like a little carbon copy. <laughs> um. So, so you said like you were already making videos at that age. I remember. And I can't I want to just clarify how much of this I've got right. Did Bo Coddington not start filming because he borrowed your dad's camera? Is that right? Or he used your dad's camera to film? Have I, have I got that right? Well, actually, um, Keith, that, that's a funny story. Uh, Keith Wilson, um, the photographer for Daily Bread, he was, uh, my dad actually let him use his camera and stuff. And that was like that. But my mom would buy like VHS. The, our first camera was a VHS Panasonic, like big old little monster thing you would put on your shoulder and okay. um like that was our first thing and then after that uh we got into high eights and stuff right like that and then super eight and all that did i not also read in an interview you did and i don't know if it was in daily bread or box that but am i right in thinking your father's blind yeah yeah 100 percent. but i'm assuming he wasn't always blind no he wasn't born blind he was a. Yeah. Uh, uh it was it was it was a war accident, I guess. Like for, right, um, okay, Vietnam. that makes sense. Because I just remember being very confused when it was like, "Oh, we got our start through Eric Schrein's dad," and then I was like, "But if he can't, if he can't see, what? How? Why did he have this stuff?" Right? That, yeah, it that doesn't makes, make sense. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Why is <laughs> no one's explaining the context here?" Right? Okay. Yeah, there's something so, missing. Um. So, how much of your VG four part was filmed by Bo, and how much of it was filmed by Dave Payne then? Uh, it was, uh, actually a lot of it was filmed, but it was like half and half. I would, I would say, you know, 50, okay. 50, because we would, we would go up there a lot up North to, uh, where Dave Payne lived, like, um, in Irvine and, uh, Huntington beach and stuff. And, um, when he would actually come down a lot too, especially for my, for my section, like he, he specifically had certain things he wanted to see and like, you know, angles and whatnot. So he came down a lot. 
So it was, it was, it was pretty much like, it might even be like 75, 25. <laughs> okay. Cause they were guys, really into yeah, it. You guys got a boat in that set. Cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of footage in that section, uh, um, Embarcadero and, uh, Hubba's hideout. So you obviously got around to make the part. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was, it was such a different time, you know, like we didn't have smartphones and stuff, which was crazy. Cause if we had smart, I always think about this. If we had smartphones, these devices, when it was popping off, man, like this, the content, like yeah. the trips and, and, and adventures we went on, dude. And like just stories that no one will, I, I don't even bring them up because no one can, can relate. You know what I mean? It's like, man, you know, like going to the Vatican and stuff and, getting in trouble and going to the catacombs in France and getting lost, like crazy stuff. And um, yeah, like, I know it's a trip, but like going on that trip, I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of lost track. So, we- so yeah. Talking about film for VG4 and yeah. What it was like. Yeah. yeah film with Dave and stuff like that. So that was obviously like, near the start of when he joined because he he like only joined in like was it the second video groove they put out or because he wasn't there from the very start so he must have like hit the ground running and been really really like pumped to put out videos because they they just kind of like gave him the reins and let him take over like doing it for them is that right yeah dave Payne with yeah. video groove oh yeah yeah they just let they gave him the baton and was like hey dude go for it like whatever you've whatever you see whatever vision make it come, you know, bring it to life. Cause uh, yeah, Sean and Morgan, those were like uh, Dave Payne's uh, kind of buddies, partners, you know, and they, they, they helped, they helped a lot with VG4, pretty much all the VGs in the, the first, like first, uh, I'll say like 10, you know, cause all the cool commercials, you know, they would put in yeah. input and stuff like the CDS Detroit commercials, they would all get together and, and uh, you know, um, just put in their ideas and stuff. But when Dave, like, basically got hundred percent control of it, dude. Like it was, it was super cool. Like, um, supernatural. Like that was one of my favorite ones. Champion, Champion Bomb Similar, Yeah, dude, that, that was, that was a game changer. Just every section was so good, dude. You know, like, I don't know. I remember my mom, she would always play that and just, and just let it run. <laughs> um, so everyone that had sections in those early videos, like, yeah, you mentioned champion and supernatural, obviously roadhouse had won in uh, VG three, you'd won VG four. So John star and John Julio, everyone that got those sections, it, it meant like something like they went on to be, you know, get picked up by more sponsors or like it really kind of elevated their position within Bladen because so many people were buying those videos. They were selling like thousands of copies of those videos. So did you like, did people start recognizing you or did anything change after that came out? Because VG4 was a huge video. Yeah, a lot actually happened up. The timing of it was so good because through the progression of VG4 all the way, you know, like to 10 or, or even more, um, Senate, Medium, uh, Team Paradise, like that mail order catalog. Oh God, everything yeah, Every, everyone, yeah, yeah, everyone knew that catalog, yeah everything was starting to develop all at the same time. And um, me being a part of uh, the companies, you know, like Senate and uh, Rollerblade and uh, even Harbinger and a couple other, you know, companies, all those companies were like really established already at that time. So then it blew up even more. So it, it, it helped, it helped my recognition a lot. And yeah, when, when that section was made, you were already on Senate. So how did you get on Senate? Because you were on like, I always think of that as like, the, when I think of the Senate team, that's the one I think of, like B Love and Michael Palak and Randy Spicer and yourself and like Brooke Kerr Smith, and then later, obviously, like 
uh, Petty and Kevin Gillan and Zamora, but you were there from like you were like part of like the first like established kill team. The lowriders, yeah, yeah. The, the first, the original catalog. Remember that one with like you on the back of it? It was like everybody all in like cholo like outfits sitting yep. on the lowrider and stuff. Yeah, dude, that that was cool. The uh, I got uh, I got on sent it through. Well, Chris Edwards introduced me to um, like Arlo, Mark Heineken, and Brooke, Brooke Howard Smith, and um, a couple other guys, Brian Kanowski, and uh, they're like the rebels. And like I mentioned earlier that I was part of Chris Edwards' youth group. Like it was funny, like just the whole like contrast of you're like, oh, they're the bad guys. They're the bad guys, but you know, they're cool. So it's like, okay, it was really weird, but um, they were, um, they were just considered the, the badasses, the bad boys, you know? And Chris is like, well, you know, if you, you know, you have their style, man. Like you should really like, just, you know, go that direction. I'm like, really? Okay. And he, he basically, that was, it was as easy as that. And like, it, at Chris Edwards skate park, he was like, Hey man, like this is Mark Heineken. This is Arlo. And this is Brooke, you know, you should talk to these guys. And, uh, I was like, hell yeah. And it was so crazy. Cause, Oh yeah. Back to like before, before I spaced out, like, um, we didn't have like all this technology. So our drive and focus was so much more. I felt like it was more deeper. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was like, uh, when it, it was like, it was organic. Cause you weren't doing it. You weren't doing it for content or for likes or for, you were doing it just yeah. for the sake of doing it. For your heart yeah it, it's so sincere you know and like actually calling these guys and like getting a connection and they're like yeah man like if you ever have the uh, you know chance come out to long beach come out there and, and stay with us i'm like really okay and then as soon as dude as soon as i got my license like 15 16 i was driving my ass up to la and like venice and you know huntington beach by myself just this little teenager driving a fucking uh excuse my language uh a, a, a minivan you know up there yeah and, how how like how far was that from like Escondido? Because I'm I'm of the About impression that Escondido, yeah, it's kind of out of the way. Like, were your parents not like, um, what do you you're no, you're not driving several hours to go and hang about with these random strange <laughs> men? My mom, yeah, my mom, they were my mom was scared. She was like, no, you're not doing this. Like, but then I'm like, you know, uh, it was like one in, one once in a lifetime type of opportunity, you know, and. My mom knew that, you know, at the end of the day, she was like, you know, this is, this is something special because it was, it was, it was, I don't know. It was something cool. Like yeah. everyone felt it, you know, like just follow through with this. Don't, you know, play off on your paranoia and be like, oh no, this is just some crazy weird. Like nowadays, I would think twice, you know, back then it was just, you yeah. know, I don't know, it was pure, you know, like it just, you felt like, no, dude, this is something, a calling. Like, yeah, hell yeah. I'm going to go to Huntington beach and go to Venice and hang out with these people. I don't even know. I'm going to get to know them and see what goes on. I want to, I want to skate UCLA. I want to skate these spots that Arlo and all these guys are skating in. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. weird ledge that goes up. It was, uh, it was at a, a furniture store in the middle of Venice. Like, I'm like, Oh, that's the, that's that. Uh, that's the thing that, uh, it was in, um, uh, 18 days. It's like a random shot of Arlo doing a front side up this like ledge. And it's at like a shopping center. I don't know. Okay. But you know, that feeling when you see something, you're like, Oh, I've seen that in the video. Oh, God. yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like, yeah, I, I geeked out back then. So it was just like, yeah, that was that was all it. Like, it all it all started with Edwards, basically. If it wasn't for Chris Edwards, I would have no, you know, I would have had no connections, no, no anything. I could I could just picture you like showing a picture of Arlo to your mom and being like, "Oh, this is what the guy looks like," and he's got like the shaved head and the devil horns, and your mom being like, "Eh, eh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, dude." And that was his that was his style back then too. Was the horns and yeah, the, the punk crazy rock, yeah. tight shirts and big pants. My mom, everyone was like, "Who is this dude?" It was 
it's funny because when I started going to school with that style, everyone was just like, what the hell? But then everything started to change into that style. So it was kind of funny. Yeah, it kind of, it kind of rapidly progressed into that. Yeah. So like, that's kind of wild because you got in early doors at one of the biggest movements to ever exist in bleeding. Like, like Senate, Senate basically defined roar bleeding in the 1990s and influenced so much, like so many different facets of the culture, of the industry, of like, yeah, just everything. Like, and it, it must have like blown up quite rapidly because that's when roll bleeding was like the fastest growing sport in, you know, America. So what was it, what was it like being on Senate at that time? Cause it must've just got crazy really quickly. It was, it was really cool. Um, like when it got, yeah. Like when the clothes and, uh, the, like a bunch of stuff got into Tilly's, like it was a major dude, they Senate got so big and they were on, uh, um, dude, they had so much random, like, uh, product placement and stuff like here uh you know the show friends yeah they had they had stickers on like the on the fridge like uh, yeah brian smith in was the in it there was, yeah, the, yeah yeah it was it just felt like it was everywhere yeah yeah and like it's so funny and um i don't know being a part of senate like i kind of i wasn't like one of the main guys like i was i was one of the guys but i wasn't like roadhouse you know or arlo and um like arlo made senate what it is like straight yeah. up i mean mark heineken and brooke were like the business you know and the, the drive but arlo was just straight up face of it you know like the cool weird you know destroy all girls you know remember that yeah and um all of that like it was all arlo it was um but being a, being a part of it was pretty cool i just felt like i was kind of like the kid like amongst the older brothers that were like running it you know like we'd go and get product and stuff and as long as you know as long as we were stoked that's all that mattered you know um, and um I mean, you like Senate, yeah, like Senate was. You Senate say was that, badass. but you you had the you had a wheel and you had an iconic wheel. Like everyone remembers the Toy Killers wheels, so it wasn't like it wasn't like you were on the periphery. Like you were a pro no. with a pro product for that brand. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, but it was, uh, yeah, it, it just because I I think inside that's how I felt, you know, because I, I was like a teenager, you know, and all these dudes were like the way that they projected everything. They were like gods, you know what I mean, like especially Brooke, you know, the way everybody talked about everything and all these ideas and, you know, these projections for the next years to come up, you know, you're just like, wow, this is insane. Okay. I'll just go and skate, <laughs> you know? But yeah, so, there was, there was points where, yeah, they just had an insane amount of stuff out. They had, there was, you know, they were doing all the tours. They had the bus with a massive like kill team thing along the side. It felt like every event you went to their branding was just all over all the ramps. Like what was, what are like some of the standout experiences from that time? Because it felt like it felt like if you were on that brand, just everyone, everyone who knew anything about Bladen knew who you were. That, yeah. that that was the team to be on. Yeah, dude. Uh, one one particular time that sticks out was when um, uh, we did a really big uh, like uh, international tour and um, and like and like a, a national tour, and we started off in. Um, uh, we, we took the, the, it was a, a converted police bus, but it was once owned by Willie Nelson. So it was, I remember this and he, he had to sell it for like, was it tax reasons or something? They get, yep. had to get, yep. Yep. I remember this. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It, that was, that was funny. So we started the national tour and we, in that bus and, uh, there was holes in the floor, dude. It was so sketchy. And we, we drove, uh, to California, like Northern California, hit up a couple of, uh, contests. And then we just drove all around uh, the United States, went to Arizona, went to um, uh, uh, New York. And this was all like, 
don't know, 98, 99, you know? So it was, it was pretty wild. You Is know? this not and the we'll, same bus K2 used? Because I'm sure Sesamora talked about this as well. I think it, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it surfaced up again. And right, um, okay. I was, uh, oh man, that's such a funny, that's such a funny connection. Because when I skated for K2, that was like, uh, that was just like the thing. Like, oh yeah, dude, we got the, the old Senate bus. And, I don't know. <laughs> It's funny. <laughs> right, that makes sense. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like, obviously, things were getting bigger and bigger. Like, you must have been traveling, like, all over the world, like, with either, because you, like, Rollerblade was, like, your first major skate sponsor, right? Yep. Yeah. So between Rollerblade and Senate, you must have just been going here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. For one one year, uh, I was, I basically was in a plane every weekend for one year straight. So every every weekend, I was just like, okay, we're gonna either we're either doing like a national tour or we're gonna be flying uh, to another country, you know. And uh, Rollerblade had a lot of stuff going on because they're Rollerblade, like they're just a huge corporations, so they had connections with everybody. Like we would do random like uh, sh- uh, show like demos slash video things for. For companies that like they did deals with like uh, computer companies and stuff like we were always busy it was really cool yeah i can imagine they must have had a lot of other corporate connections that yeah that would have made things very interesting that's what i always kind of wondered during this because obviously like a lot of people got burnt out and quit or just like disappeared and i always kind of wondered with having all those opportunities it could be the best thing in the world if all you want to do is tour and travel and you know I don't know, party or like see all this stuff, but it could also be a living hell because you're just yeah. getting burnt out. You're skating all the time. You're getting hurt. You're never at home. You're never seeing friends and family. Like there's always a price. <laughs> so like, what, what was it like? Like what was, what was your experience of it? Did, did you enjoy it? Were there elements of it you hated? Like what, what did it, what did it mean yeah, to you? There, yeah. There was some pretty, pretty crazy, um, you know, like, like, like eye-opening situations where you're just like man like at trade shows especially where you're you're touring right and you're doing everything and you're trying not to party too much you know because you got to skate and like it, it ends up it ends up taking a toll after a while you know like there's sometimes where i would just like rage with everybody the night before and then forget like oh yeah dude i have to totally be on my a game right now <laughs> and just totally failing and uh but yeah there's you know what i mean you're like i drank too much dude. last night i can't land a top soul i've i've totally messed up here right okay like i can't even like focus right now like what the hell like i nailed this every single time and like mostly seriously the trade shows were probably the biggest ones where it's like man i gotta take it easy like everybody is just raging right now and then like you know like an asr um that was a big trade yeah i could imagine there was a lot of like free drinks and stuff flying around yeah just free everything like oh yeah dude like and then after the after parties because everyone's in from out of town you know and everyone's got rooms so just like all right we'll go to that hotel and this hotel and you know there's good times there's always uh an opportunity to learn (laughs) you know what i mean that's that's, uh, that's a very very diplomatic like explanation of that there's there's opportunities to learn there's opportunities to make some serious mistakes is what you mean but okay serious dude you know, like, cause I'm young still, you know, and you're around all these like older, older people and they've, they've been around it, dude. And you're just like, man, I don't know. Like, okay, I'm gonna take note not to do that. You know, <laughs> not to stay up all night and, you know, think if I just go to the hot tub in the morning, it'll be good. You know, and like, 
<laughs> yeah, because like, yeah. I, I, I don't like obviously growing up in the UK, competitions were on the TV all the time during that period. Like you had NES, ASA, X Games, Bercy, and it always felt like you were like, you, you would see you, even if you weren't like getting into the finals or whatever, like you, you seem to be at loads of those events. It just seemed to be like this massive gathering all the time. Like with stuff like X Games and the ASA finals and things like that, those must have been some pretty wild experiences because it seemed like once the event end ended, you know, the, for the winner, it was great. But for everyone else, it was just cut loose time. Yeah, pretty much. It really was like everybody, like, everybody would come in from all over the world. And like you said, like if, if you weren't the winner, it didn't matter. Like it was such a good time. You know, like the ASA events, dude, were so in insane. And the, the ESPN ones, the big ones, the B3 events, those were really cool. Like um, that's when... Like, you know, ESPN basically brought us all together and kind of looked at us all at, at, like with the same same eyes, you know, like uh, Viking blading and boards. Like we would all like the like Tony Hawk and everybody, we, we would all share share the same uh, uh, hotel. And, you know, we'd always run into each other, Matt Hoffman and stuff like yeah. we're chilling in a, the elevator. And, you know, here comes Tony Hawk. Like, oh, weird. Cool. You know what I mean? And um, well, that was like that. that Surely that was before like the video game money kicked in. That must have still been when Tony was just trying to make a living. Dude, no, that was right. Uh, no, believe it or not, that was like probably right when part two came out because I was right. in the same shit. I'm like, why? Like, like we're peasants, dude. Like, why? <laughs> why are you here with us? But he is it, rich, like, rich. On, yeah. Like, they, you know, we're all we're all in the eyes of those guys. You know, the big dudes, the owners of ESPN and all that. Like, we're all the same. We're just kids, you know. So whatever, I don't know, whatever the reasoning might be, but we're all in the same hotels every single time the B3 events came around. And it was cool because we would all be chilling in the lobby and there's Matt Hoffman, Dave Mira, you know, uh, everybody, you know, all the big dudes and everybody's chilling like as if we're all in like a club, you know, like, yeah. and then here we are, the bladers, like in the corner, like like little kids, you know what I mean? It's like the freshmen, the the, the juniors and the seniors, yeah. you know? It was, it, yeah. it was funny. That event was so far ahead of its time. It's unreal. Like they like that event felt like the only one that tried really hard to actually like make everyone realize that all the sports are the same thing. Like it yeah. doesn't matter whether you use a bike or skateboard or skates, you're all doing the same thing. You're just using different apparatus, but That's right. it just, it just seemed like that idea never really caught on. And yeah, everyone just kind of like, yeah, it sucks. Cause in the beginning you, you felt that, you know, like, Oh cool. We are, you know, doing the same thing, but then politics, politics can get in it. And, uh, good job. And, uh, you know, after that, you're like, I don't know, man, like I, it all comes down to money, I guess, you know, and, and, and organization. Cause at the end of the day, like we never had a uh, union, you know? Yeah. Or like well, a body. They, they, they tried with it, the ASA, but it was weird and it didn't make sense. And you had yeah. to pay like a hundred dollars to be a member of the ASA or, and it was just really, it, it was so strange. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't, it, it was like, it was like thought of overnight, you know, and people just kind of randomly spit fired ideas and it didn't really stick. And then they're like, Oh, we're going to go with it. And it's like, no, this isn't, you have to like have, have lawyers involved, you know, and actually have something built legally. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. the same. But that was the main reason why, like, they didn't really, you know, the, the the actual organizations didn't take us serious. And then the whole like hierarchy kind of came about, like skateboarding is superior, and you know, biking is still kind of doing their thing. And then we're just like this rogue, you know, group. But we're a sport because you know the world deemed us a sport. But it, it was really weird, you know, especially at like the last X Games, you know, the last like two X Games event. Like the whole vibes was just like 
it's very weird you know like they alienated us and like totally cut us out and they made arlo like this weird uh they made him seem to be you know just like a they didn't like scapegoat him but they're just like um you know the, the the movie barely dead yeah you know at the end where they talk about it like uh how the the espn like kind of painted the picture of us being or um no like how skateboarding kind of like um pushed us out and then eventually like we we were only used for um like media you know they used us for filming and recording stuff and um i don't know it just got really really weird towards the end and uh but it was cool, like still grateful to have the experience, you know, but it, it felt really weird. I still think it's funny to this day, people like blame Arlo for Bladen no longer being in the X Games. And you're like, I, yeah. I think I think you're very much overstating Arlo's influence in that organization. Like he was just one guy in a board meeting and no yeah. one really listened to him. And yet you're, you think that he can somehow like overthrow this and like, you know, have this big rebellious streak. Like he even said in an interview, like he stormed out of the meeting and no one noticed. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it was, like he was dude. just one person. Like he's not, you know, he's he's not that, he's influential to us, to our sport. He's significant to us, to everyone else. He's just a guy. Yeah. To them, especially like him being the only representative in there, like that kind of like, kind of showed, you know, the embodiment of who we are as like, you know, a sport. It's like, yeah, it's just him, you know? And since he was the only one standing up, like they, for sure, they're going to be like, yeah, there's the door, dude, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, um, I don't know. But that, during that time, there was the, the massive spike. And yeah, obviously we talked about Senate and you mentioned Rollerblade and all the opportunities that came about that. But that was when Rollerblade had the mainstream acceptance and people were getting on Levi's and getting like, you know, these massive yeah. shoppings. That's what I wanted to get onto. There was two... There was two sections to that. There was Levi's and you had like Sam Fogarty and uh, Sessa Mora and Fabio and, and stuff Feinberg. and Aaron Feinberg. And then there was Gap and you were on Gap. So what was what was the deal with that? Like how, yeah, what was it like skating for Gap in the 90s? Uh, it was pretty badass for, uh, for a few, like about a year, you know. Uh, they were part of like, because I was skating for ASA and being on, a rollerblade they were like you know nascar um or any any major like series or competition series there's always like sponsors that kind of like you know they're like the main sponsors yeah and um they uh they basically base everything off like airtime so if you're part of their their circle in a way like um like rollerblade gap um sports was it speed stick and uh slim jim slim and a couple jim, other big, i remember slim yeah, yeah, yeah. uh and um couple other big ones were in there but if you were part of that like like group you're basically going to um be seen a lot so me being in the top 10 a lot uh uh it was basically airtime so there's like well since you're doing well in the competitions like would you be down to pick up another sponsor and this was through rollerblade so um me skating that, for rollerblade, right. that explains why yeah. so many of the gap riders were right okay that that makes yeah, sense yeah it was all it was pretty much all team rollerblade like there's like yeah. one or two other people that did skate for rollerblade that run gap but yeah like um Aton kramer me mike budnick uh zeke fabiola and uh cory miller yeah uh, cory miller was like the team manager and he um oh and, and santiago uh he was like he basically organized organized it and um got us all sponsored through um rollerblade for gap and it was crazy dude like they would give us um like uh 
gift cards with like 500 bucks on it. And they would send us boxes of product. So, and they would pay us, you know, so we're, I was making like, um, I don't know, like 15, 15,000 a year. So it was like uh, a little over a thousand a month for just yeah. one, for just one of your sponsors and not even yeah. one that you consider to be like the, the main, main sponsor. That's, yeah, yeah that's pretty it wild. Was just a, yeah, dude, it, it was, a how old were you at this time? Uh, yeah, you, you must've still been a teenager. Yeah. So that's, that's just one of your like income revenues as a teenager just happens to be one of the biggest clothing companies in the world at that time. Oh yeah, dude. It was, it was, it was cool. It was awkwardly cool because we'd get random stuff and sometimes I wouldn't know what to do with it. I just hook up friends, you know, like, but you know, just boxes of belts and stuff. I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. Well, one time I tried to return it like to gap and like, see if, you know, they could just do a product swap or something. And they looked at me like I stole it off the back of a truck or something. Like, what are you doing with all this stuff, dude? And like belts, especially. I'm like, no, dude. I and I explained it to him. Like, I'm a I'm a pro skater and uh Gap has a team, you know. And um, I don't know, like we just get sent products, so and this I don't want this stuff, so would you be able to swap it out? And they're like, What the hell? And then like one one dude, uh some someone in the shop actually gave it like called a corporate or something, and they they said it was it was for real. So it was kind of cool. It was a random, random little uh I don't know. <laughs> I was about to say, your friends must have loved you. They must have been like, oh, we're going skating with Eric today, right? Let's go and pick him up at his house because he's just got a new box of product and there's going to be stuff in there he doesn't want. So, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would hook it up, dude. Always. Like anyone who is my size, basically, you know, like just pants. What you need, man? You need some boxers? <laughs> so it's cool. Between Gap, Rollerblade, and Senate, you must have been earning a small fortune as a teenager. Well, kind of. It was. Yeah, for at the at the at the peak, I was making uh, I don't know, like just under a hundred grand a year, you know, for like for for like two years. But it was it was crazy because I uh, I just gave it all to my mom, you know. She she did all the the, the saving and organizing for me because I was just in and it, I was just involved with skating and absorbed by it completely. Like I did, you know, not worried about money or anything. So it's just. Just there for the skating thing. That's an incredibly smart decision. Like, because I'm assuming your mom handled the money well, but most teenagers just blew that right up the wall. Yeah. I mean, I did a little, you know, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from it, you know, and and it's funny to to think that I was on the the lower end, you know, like Roadhouse and everybody, Matt Mance and everybody, they're making big bucks, dude. You know, Arlo and all the other guys, those guys were made, they're close, not shy from being millionaires, you know. And it was crazy, you know, but like, I wish I could speak for it now, but like, it was, it was a good time. I really didn't have time to indulge, you know, cause I was so into skating. I was just so into traveling and just trying to, trying to do better, you know, and, or, or healing, you know, cause I would always break myself. <laughs> so you're telling me you did not buy yourself a car because it seems like every, it seems like every teenage oh, yeah. pro bought themselves like a, like a Honda Civic or so, like something just like a ridiculous boy racer car. Yeah, everyone, everyone got a car. Like Senate, it was crazy, dude. Like everybody, like all the big dudes, they all got Audis. And uh me and Randy, we all got like Japanese cars or whatever, like just domestic cars. And uh it was funny. Like the contrast was funny. It's like, oh yeah, you guys make the big bucks. You know, we make good money, but we're not like you guys. It was funny. Yeah, that's yeah. that's who you can see who's earning the best at the skate session, depending on depends on the wheels yeah. they roll up on. Um am I right in thinking that the reason that everyone got off Senate or like Senate ended for like your era is because 
Randy, Louis, and Josh all approached Arlo and said, oh yeah, we're breaking off. We're starting our own wheel company. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, well, they, they made a wheel company. It was yeah, they, they started Second Regime, yeah. Yeah, you know, it was a it was a buildup of a couple things. Like that was one thing, and then Arlo wanted to do his own thing, supercomputer robots. Oh, oh he's gone. Oh, sorry, oh, sorry, that was a random incoming call. Um, yeah, so they wanted to do uh, like Arlo wanted to do supercomputer robots. Uh, uh, Louis and Randy wanted to do um, Second Regime, and I don't know what I think because Hyper. And everybody was like done with Senate because everyone made a lot of money, dude. And it was really, it sucked because growing up, like with all the positive stuff going on, we also saw like back to what you were saying, like you asked before, saw a lot of dark things, you know what I mean? Like just the the inevitable end result of what can happen in corporations, you know what I mean? The underbelly, so to speak, you know, like, like, and, uh, like, and what, like everyone with money, you know, and yeah, everybody got a taste of money and was just like, fucking, I'm out, dude, we're done, you know, like we're. We, we did the Senate thing. It worked well. It was a good formula. Well, uh, Hyper wanted to, you know, didn't want to pour the wheels anymore. No one wanted to do the independent thing, like actually go out of their way and pour all the wheels and do it, you know, like core, like kind of like yeah. how Isaac, you know, Isaac did with Eulogy. Yeah. Approached other people and got their, you know, product made elsewhere. But so they just do whatever, cashed out. And everybody. All oh, oh, right. You know, I always thought, I always thought Isaac was an employee at like a larger skate board or company like affiliated with a skateboard and then he just did that on the side i didn't realize he was doing it like on his own oh no he did it was uh well a little bit of both he actually does work for right. for pal for, yeah that's then, what uh, i thought yeah yeah and then he uh you know he has his own department he controls his own department and then he's able to do his uh side projects which was eulogy oh, right okay so right. it was it was the collaborations you know collaboration of, of pal and and uh and isaac basically he's a brainchild <laughs> Yeah, I always thought I was. No one ever talks about even Arlo in the countless interviews he's done. Never mentions supercomputer robots because it felt like it was only around for like a year or two. I don't even remember seeing the products in shops. I remember seeing people wearing the clothes. I saw the odd yeah. wheel, but they didn't. It didn't seem like it was around long at all. It seemed like as soon yeah. as it started, it died. Yeah, it was like an experiment company, and it, dude, it was gonna be, it was gonna be like the ultimate, like Aaron Feinberg, you yeah, know, Marco uh, Hinsey, John, yeah, John, they had like basically all the competition, like dominators. Yep, yep, yeah. that's what it was. It was competition-based uh, machines. You know, they're the machines yeah. that never lose. So, but I think that's what it was because it came out and it peaked, kind of like Realm. Remember Realm? Yeah, because they Wales? had like, yeah, Armand Marchand and all those guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like it came around and it peaked right at that right at the right time because I think competitions for us were really big and it would it made it would make sense to have a wheel company that was solely for just competition skaters, you know. But then it started to die out like NIS and ASA everything. So then I think that was maybe that you know they caught wind and they just died out before the competition started to die out. But right. I don't know. But it, I don't know, yeah, that's a trip. Like the whole and then like how Senate just went away, you know, and then the you know, I was about to say, like, how, how did you find out about that? Like, how was that broken to you? Like, oh, like, this is, like, this is done. Dude, yeah, back to the dark side of it. Like, we, like, we were just skating, dude. Like, especially most of us, like me, me, Randy, uh, uh, and all the other skaters, like Robert Livanos and everybody, we were just skating all the time. So we weren't, our heads weren't in the business side of things. Like how, like, oh, what's relevant? Okay, well, it's time to get rid of this. Let's bring on new, 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 new blood out with the old. You know, we weren't familiar with that stuff. 
So then the first, the f- our first experience with getting fired from, you know, the companies that you like skated for and looked up to uh, was with Senate. Like we went skating, Robert Levanos and I, we, we went skating normally like how we always do. And we got a call from uh, Brian Knowski to just come in, you know, totally like, you know, how you're supposed to get, like, you know how, you know how when bosses are super shady and they, they, they're going to fire you and they have this whole like roundabout way of like talking to you, you know, they're like, Oh, you know, like, what is it? and you can, you can sense it. You're like, what's something different here? Like, why are you being so nice? You know what I mean? And that's how it was. They brought us in and they sat us down. It was me. Uh, it was me and Robert Levanos, but Brian Kanowski, Arlo and Brooke like sat us down and we're like, you know, they actually picked our brains. They're like, so who do you think, who do you think's the, the next up and coming skater? Like, who do you guys kind of look up to? And I was like, oh man, like being naive, you know, I'm like, oh, Santiago, you know, and then, and then everybody put in their two cents, like, right, and Feinberg, pretty much all the new riders that they brought in for Supercomputer Robot and everybody. I was basically, that's, a, that's really disgusting that they're like, who, like, with, without you knowing, you're basically like, yeah. you're, you're helping them find your replacement. Yeah, absolutely. Like how they do in corporations, you know, it's like, you know how you're supposed to train the new person coming on. That's like that. Hurt. You're like, oh yeah, I'm going to show that, you all this stuff. And then yeah, I'm getting fired. So you're taking you've got to, place. You've got to take that personally. That's that, that would, oh yeah, I was, I was, that would I was sting. depressed for a while, like just pissed. But then, you know, other opportunities came out, but that right there was like our first taste of like, what? Wow. They're really not playing around like they're, but then right after that, shortly, they just declined. Like Senate was just falling apart. And we basically, we got out at the right time, I guess. Like we oh, didn't yeah. know. Like obviously afterwards, they, like they brought out Standfast. Standfast was an incredible video and it had great skaters. Like, you know, yeah, you mentioned like Feinberg, Santiago, uh, Blake Dennis's section. But in terms of the band, the like brand's imagery and iconography, they were, they were already not, like not the pinnacle of blading anymore. Like people, other brands were taking over. Like Mind Game was around. More there was more like hyper end brands like that. And yeah, another thing I remember reading, and I I want you to like correct me if I'm wrong in this. Did you ask Louis and Randy and Josh if you could start Second Regime with them? Like, am I right in thinking like you wanted you wanted to become a company owner? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, because at that time it was like. Why not? It was a perfect, like, not pivot, but like, uh, evolution. You know what I mean? Like, oh, if you guys are doing this, you know, like, yeah, like I could be a part of it too. You know, they're like, nah. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, what the hell? Like, I was offended. You know what I mean? I was going to say, but you were good friends with Randy, and isn't Louis from Esco, isn't he? Yeah. 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 So they, they were on their own trip. You know, they, they had their first taste of business and ownership and being independent and doing their thing. And, you know, I'd, I kind of gave him the benefit of it, whatever, but like, I'm like, man, that kind of sucks. Cause you know, what's the difference between, you know, but I know it's the image or whatever. They had their idea, you know? Yeah. And it was just a simple, you know, Hey, can I be a part of it? And they're like, no, I'm like, okay, well, I don't know. <laughs> You're like, why, why does everyone keep trying to hurt my feelings here? And they're like, first, yeah. first centered. <laughs> Can't win. <laughs> um, Plus, I guess from their perspective, they don't want it to feel like Senate 2.0 because obviously they brought in Dominic Sagona and Dre Powell and like we're like the mm-hmm. champ. Like I love their advert where they're like, you know, F your pros, our arms are better. I don't want to swear in front of your kid. Um, yeah. And I was like, whoa, I was like, that's a statement right there. Like putting Dominic Sagona just on a full page advert saying he is better yeah. than all of your pros. And I agreed. Like I loved Dominic yeah. Sagona. So. Their ads were so hard. Yeah, anti rocker one was so good. It was a good one, but their anti rocker wheels, like that shit was, that was good. That that they had their idea, they had their whole like vision, you know. 
And so I understood like, you know, cause they, I don't know. I, I think a lot of people approached them like, Hey man, let me be a part of it. And they're like, no, no, we're just doing our thing. We have our idea, you know, we have our stickers coming. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, who doesn't, yeah. Who doesn't want to be in a brand with those three guys? Like they were at that time, huge as well. So when when that didn't pan out, were you not, weren't you tempted to like start your own thing? Because I know you ended up eventually joining Eulogy, but like, was there never a point where you were like, "Well, why don't I get some people together and you know see if I can make it run?" Because you you were a, you were a big name as well. Everyone knew who you were. You you had the clout to kind of like kickstart it. Yeah, I don't. You know what? I was just so focused in skating. You know, like I was like, okay, well. I guess I don't have a wheel sponsored, but I could still get free wheels, you know, and I was still on rollerblade and still had, um, you know, the clothing sponsors and everything. It was just like, okay, well, I'll just focus in. And then I, uh, like, I think like Robert and a couple other people, they, they started prospecting and finding other wheel companies. So I'm like, Oh dude, it'll, it'll come around, you know, and eventually did, you know, like, uh, I, like when Robert got on, um, uh, what was it? It's, uh, Oh man blanking it was uh from the midwest um not scribe anyway, yeah uh what's that not not scribe no um no not scribe uh, third world uh, no who else was from the midwest no uh, close um why am i blanking right now it was him john julio uh, oh united united dude that's it that's yeah. it that was that was a pretty good real company dude it was, but now everyone like speaks about it really badly as if it was like a disaster because Julio was on Cosmo, which is, you know, a huge iconic brand. And yeah. he, he joined it with like Dion Anthony and a few people. And whenever John talks about it in retrospect, he's like, yeah, that was a mistake. Like he's like, I made the wrong well, decision. Because I think because it was a bunch of kids with a little bit of money trying to, everyone had their own ideas. Cause I remember clearly dude, uh, and Shane Nelson wasn't involved too. Um, and I remember going to a couple business meetings, dude, like in the middle of the Midwest and just having a sit down and we're all talking about business and the projections of where they want to see the company and this and that. And it felt really legit because everyone, I think people were just pretending it to be legit, you know, cause right. I don't, you know, everybody had their idea, you know, and they, they came out swinging. Like they came out with like full page yeah. adverts of John Julio, full page adverts of Dion. Like it, it felt like, I was like, yeah. oh, these guys are going to be major players, but then it just yeah. died out. Yeah, just like all, just like the rest of the, you know, blading companies that have come and gone. Some really good, cool, innovative ones that are just, they're just, they've gone, you know. But I remember that wheel company. That was really cool. And I remember when Robert was on it. Like he, he found that company, and then I still didn't have a wheel company or a wheel sponsor yet. And uh, Eulogy kind of came around because it was just they're they're badass wheels, you know what I mean? And everybody started to kind of talk about them and. And um, I, I, we all met Isaac and, and it just kind of fell into place and it just naturally happened. Like we all kind of ended up skating for eulogy. Like Robert was, Robert was on the team first cause he was on blood. He skated uh, for blood. Cause I always, I always thought of eulogy as like a progression of, cause Brian Smith did blood. Was that right? And then he sold, yeah. he sold it to like a snowboard company or something, or he snow, sold the branding or the name or something. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I'm sure K2 ended up using like the blood logo or like the blood, like some kind of, some like iconography hmm. from it i don't know but i don't know I don't if know that was that. true yeah i don't i don't know but yeah i, I remember know. eulogy like being like feeling like yeah the the progression of blood wheels yeah yeah blood was cool they had that's some really cool wheels uh just the flat rocker like the red ones they're like, i think they're 52s yeah and they had like the clear red wheels and stuff like that they had some really yeah really like unique looking products yeah and they had mm -hmm. abdiel kohlberg who's just 
style master so yeah oh, he's still a ripper dude he's yeah. still ripping like he, he he just not there's certain people that just don't age like julio doesn't doesn't look as if he's aged out and you, when you see abdiel Kohlberg, he just looks like he's got like like peach fuzz on his face and that's about it mm-hmm. like if you shaved his face he still he'd look like a kid yeah um, he's still a baby yeah. <laughs> so quickly want to get back to the senate thing when the team video came out, did you guys know you were filming for a team video? Because some of those sections are incredibly short and it just looks like a bunch of tour footage mixed in with some street footage. Did you guys know that that was a project you guys were aware of or did they just have all the footage after a few years and went, let's do something with this? Like, how did that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all, I mean, me and, um, you know, the other skater, like me and Randy and, uh, and Arlo, of course, like we all knew that it was... It was right. something to take serious, you know? And uh, yeah, it's funny because some people just were either hurt or just didn't even care. You know yeah, what I mean? Some, some parts were really short. I remember being surprised by how short some of the sections were. Yeah. 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 I know in my section, I was, you know, I kind of got hurt doing it, but it was, it was, you know, I tried to go all out. Um, yeah. See the, I've always been curious about the very last clip in that where you're just running out of what looks like a cinema and then you just fall on your face. Was that choreographed or did something happen? Like, yeah, that was a fake fall. It looked, yeah. See, as a teenager, you're like, oh, why, why is it hurt? Is Eric's being chased by someone? Or like, you just make up these own little like, things in your head. But then when you look back and you're older, you're like, that looks suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's something about that. Yeah, it was totally fake. Like, we, we goofed off a lot, dude. And, um, yeah, we're just bored. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah. It, it, it hurt a little bit. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it, it was a fake foot, but it looked like you slammed onto the concrete hard. It may have been one of those ones where you didn't quite intend for it to be, yeah, that painful. <laughs> yeah, I bounced a little bit. Shook <laughs> <laughs> my guts. Um, another like video from that era that I remember just being kind of surprised by the scope of it was the the back in the day video that you guys like it felt like it was just a huge tour across all of america and it had all the australians in it it had like um oh god i love the guy as well josh clark josh clark yeah like josh clark was one of my favorite australians of that period and like sam fogarty and all those guys dion anthony julio had a section in it as well was that was that made as the result of just touring everywhere or like how big was that video it looked because it had a huge cast rawlinson was in it like it had it felt like it had everyone yeah yeah the um the the producer of that film was um he was from australia super cool i wish i remember his name but he was uh he came in right at the right time when everybody was traveling and um you know it was really busy everybody was doing stuff and arlo had a bunch of footage in it um we uh dude he came down at like in the summertime and in the wintertime and i remember going to the Midwest, like on tour with him. And yeah. dude, it was actually, that was at, at, on that tour on the, um, it was back in the day tour. Um, we went to a, uh, United wheels meeting. That's, that's so funny. Cause I was like, we met up in like, uh, was it, uh, Minnesota or Michigan. I think it was Michigan just to talk business and stuff. But when we were on the road, it was so fun, dude. Cause like we got to stay in Chicago, like in the, these crazy hotels in the middle of winter, you know? And we were, we were street skating and like, we we're just trying to get footage. And uh, it was really cool. It was with a 16 millimeter camera. So it was like a full on pro setup. And yeah, it was badass. It was a good tour. As someone from California, were you not like, this is painful? Because in California, you guys don't get winters down where you are. So like, you must Ooh. be like, snow, snow. I'm, you, you want me 
what the ground's wet right? like you want right. me to skate in this <laughs> right you want to go out like right now like it was it was interesting because they're from australia you know what i mean so they're just like yeah we're all in this from you know we're all this is all an adventure for us so let's let's get it done and uh, it was cool we just went to a couple skate shops and skate parks and then uh went to a couple downtown areas and just skated our asses off it was fun I was about to say, yeah, the Californians must have thought it was crazy, but yeah, Australians must have, like, I've got an Australian friend who's visited in Scotland, and the first time they saw snow, they were like, what is that? Like, they'd just never seen it. So yeah, that must have been insane. Um, Right, okay. So at what point did you end up joining K2 then? Oh, that was kind of later on when um, I didn't have any. Was this after Rollerblade got rid of their whole team, or were you not a part of that? Yeah, it was after all they got rid of everybody and they kind of were on the decline of being in a, in any market, really. Like they, yeah. uh, recreational wasn't really popping off, just you know, they just wanted to get out of it. And, um, I wasn't skating for razors anymore because just politics or whatever. And, um, I was just kind of, kind of free agent in a way, you know, politics, just around. So, what does what does politics or whatever mean? That's a that's well, a no, very... we, I don't know because uh the management and everything like when i don't know when you're when you're deemed old or whatever out with the old in with the new you know oh right that's kind of yeah that's kind of how it was you know like went from just being on the team as i don't know relevant skater next thing you know andy doesn't think you're relevant anymore and you're not on the team anymore so it's like i don't know just like that so i was just kind of floating around and i was at uh Eisenberg's and I met with Tyler Shields and Tyler Shields introduced me to Mike Powell. And okay. this is before Tyler Shields got really big and stuff. He was yeah. still in Texas and he was still like uh, living at uh, uh, Eisenberg's pretty much. Yeah. You know, yep. but he knew, he knew everybody. He knew all everybody. And he was just like, Hey dude, like you're chilling, you know, like let's skate. I can, you know, uh, I, I just got on, like he, he was working for K2 a little bit and he's like, yeah, I know this guy, Mike Powell is super cool. You should hit him up maybe you can get on the team like oh hell yeah and i did then after that it was it was pretty cool that was a cool little adventure right i was about to say were were you on k2 when they were doing like the whole like treating the team really well like taking them out for dinner if people placed well like the whole uh oh god what was it like bonuses for like competition winnings and stuff like that or like matching winnings or something like that they used to do was it during that era or was it later that was the Matt Lacrosse days when Matt Lacrosse was the. Um, ah, so that, you, that was the name of the team manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He time. was before uh, Mike Powell. Yeah, so you missed that era, or was it still yeah. going on? No, I missed it. I missed ah, it. Right, okay. That was like, that was their like that was their senate. You know what I mean? Like, dude, if you were on K two during that time, you were a rock star, dude. Like they, yeah. the the team manager Matt Lacrosse, he got he had like the access card he had the black card basically and they're just like here dude whatever you want whatever you want for the team do it and they went they went balls to the wall dude i remember some of the custom skates that th- these guys got dude were so badass like oh yeah like, like they I, really stood out you everyone know? had like, like the really... custom colors or the custom stitching it basically felt like yep. a pro skate a pro skate that only you could have like which just makes mm-hmm. it even more you're like i've got a one-of-a-kind skate yep exclusive dude like those i remember hearing stories from like Louie and like when Ryan Jacklon and uh, like uh, Tom Heiser and all like all those guys were on K2, like they were living it up, you know, like I can only imagine, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can see how Ryan very much get into the party lifestyle if that was going on. So what, what was it like when you joined? Like what was, what was your experience of being on K2? Uh, it was pretty chill. It, um, 
Mike, Mike Powell is such a good dude. He's such a good dude. He, um, he was like super hyper, you know, and, uh, just going on the road, like going to Seattle all the time was so cool and going to Vashon Island. That's where K2 is based. Yeah. Like that place is beautiful, dude. Like it's a, it's an Island kind of like, it's almost like Alcatraz, but like, um, it's just, it's an Island away, just, just out, out, out like just off the coast of um, Seattle and uh, you have to take a ferry there. And, um, uh, it's really, really pretty. They don't even have stoplights there. They probably do now, but back in the day when we were going, they, didn't, they only had stop signs. It was pretty cool. But um, just being a part of the team was badass. Like uh, traveling with them and going on. Um, I don't know. They were they weren't as crazy and elaborate and organized as um, Rollerblade, you know, because Rollerblade had a lot more money, bigger budgets and stuff. But uh, K two was cool. They Mike Mike did his best to accommodate us and stuff, and you know, take us everywhere. But it was cool. Getting a pro skate from them was badass, dude. Like they didn't make that many, you know. Yeah. Like Pat Lennon and I were uh, were lucky enough to get one, and um, they only made like twelve hundred pairs. But it was cool. That that style of skate was was um, I don't know. It was unique. You know, nowadays it'd be totally it would fly. But back then it was kind of a little different, a little chunky. <laughs> yeah, I I remember I remember being quite uh, taken aback by the the silver. The silver was. Uh... It was quite intense. Yeah, the black and silver. Yeah. <laughs> that was, who, who, did you come up with the color scheme? Yeah, yeah, because it was, uh, oh, oh, I got it, uh, the concept from my mom because she, uh, you know, the football team, the Raiders. Okay, yeah. They're like black and silver. So and that's uh, it was, what it was inspired by, right? Because I was like, silver is a very random color to put like on, on a large portion of a skate, but okay, right. Yeah, yeah, because it's super reflective. But I, know, I thought it was kind of futuristic, you know, at the same time. But the black and silver just, uh, it was it was a good idea because my mom was like, yeah, I know, the Raiders, that's a perfect, it's a good color combination. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Can't go wrong with black and gray. <laughs> like, so. Nice. So one one of the reasons, like, I always, like, think of like, people of that era that just, like, stuck with it because so many people came and went. It felt like every issue of Daily Bread, you'd see someone be like, oh, they're amazing, and then you'd find out they'd stop skating or they'd quit or they'd been dropped from a team or get injured or, get, you know, the money dried up and they got bored. You stuck with it. You're one of, like, not many people from your generation that kept going. Like, you obviously, like, stayed with, you know, eulogy you did esco zoo media putting out all those videos being mentors to people like you know brent hicks and like eric perkett and stuff like that and like you and robert and bo just kind of like kept it going and basically had that massive like international influence of the esco zoo scene what was it like when like all your contemporaries and all the people that you grew up with and skated with just start like just faded away that must have been weird because you must have had people that you like really enjoyed or appreciated spending time with and then all of a sudden yeah. they were gone yeah i'm kind of like at the time you don't really know until like later on like now i'm I still feeling the repercussions of it because it's like they're like something that you devote and you put your heart into you know what i mean and then all of a sudden i mean i get it dude like when you get older you have to make money you know that's the bottom line like you have to make money and then but a lot, you, a lot of people you, left before then. Like a lot of people that quit before it wasn't even like they had kids or responsibilities. Yeah, or they just yeah. they just stopped. Yeah, because a lot of it, a lot of people caught feelings. You know, some people got upset over something, uh, bad business. Uh, you know, bad business ventures. People got a bad taste because they're like, oh, you know, I put everything into this and nothing came back. You know, fuck skating. You know, excuse the language. You know, but it's like, oh, screw rolling inline skating. You know, 
whatever. And then they had that. And then you just have people who just too injured, you know, it's like, I'm done. Yeah. My body can hang, you know, moving on, you know, and then other, um, I don't know, other reasons, you know, just people, I don't know, just being burnt out or, um, mostly or just finding other careers because, you know, just kind of having the projection, like a lot of people, a lot of people did that, you know, just with foresight, they're like, you know, I don't know. I don't see this going anywhere. My body, you know, just equaling it out, you know, and I gotta yeah. go, I gotta find something else, you know? And it's like, okay. And then a lot of it was just like comparing where it's like, well, me can compare to a, a bunch of other people. Like I had a successful career in it, you know, like with traveling and I'm traveling with uh competing, you know, and, and having a lot of sponsors, but, soon as that died out you know like trying to recreate the uh, another aspect of the industry you know like that was our job so that's kind of like how how we were able to stay around like with with diversifying and learning how to do other things but like you said like slowly but surely watching everyone kind of dissipate and go different directions yeah it, it kind of hurtful you know kind of heartbreaking because it's like wow that's that's like a reminder you know a good realization of we're not going to be around anymore you know what i mean like it's inevitable that like yeah progress you know this progression is like wow we're we just got to grow up you know and instead of it progressing to something bigger you know it's like oh yeah you know and it's like a, we inevitably have to just you know break apart yeah, it kind of sucks because obviously you were seeing it from like a first-hand perspective especially with being sponsored you're like oh like i was part of these like really big lucrative teams where we're getting all this stuff thrown at us and then all of a sudden you know you're getting less and less or things less and less stuff's being offered to you and then you know you're going on these massive competition circuits and then all of a sudden the competition circuits are getting smaller and smaller and some of them are just getting cancelled altogether. It's sad. <laughs> yeah um like who were who were some of like your like closest like friends during that period or people that you were like cherished their company the most that then just like disappeared or, or you would be like well wait a minute you don't you don't skate anymore and they'd be like no i'm done or they just stopped showing up to sessions or you stopped hanging about with them on tour like because there must have been people you were incredibly close with and it came as a shock yeah. when, when you realized they were done yeah uh shoot like like before like i said before robert leobanos louie everybody like you know even Brent Higgs, you know, everybody kind of grew up and, you know, went and did their thing. And after a while, it's just like, shit, dude, like I still skate, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's just what I know. <laughs> it's what I'm good at, you know? So, but yeah, I mean, everybody, like, mostly probably Robert, like, it, it's just like, wow, you, you never thought that that would, I don't know. It's just another reminder, you know, it's like, wow, it's inevitable. When you get old, you have to switch it up because the powers of life <laughs> yeah. are bigger than, you know, are greater than what, I don't know. It just sucks. Cause yeah, you're watching all that go away. You know what I mean? Like, wow, this is like watching it grow up and then peak and then slowly and then surely, you know, deflate and then watching it all come and go, you know, it's like, it, I know it's just a reminder that life is real, you know? And, oh yeah, you know, absolutely. It, and even like the, the names you mentioned, like Louis, Louis stuck around a lot longer than most. And mm -hmm. Robert, even after Robert was done with razors, he was on USD briefly, but he kept it going doing stuff like, you know, he did like jug with Mike and oh. like help, like he was doing designs for other people in Blade. And even though he yeah. wasn't actively in like, you know, participating as a, as a pro skater or whatever anymore. So it, it felt like he, he tried to still be involved in some way. Yeah. You know what coming to mind right now, just, uh, like someone who just kind of disappeared out of nowhere, especially when things were really well, is champion. Champion bombs him. Yes. Like, dude. 
sorry. Yeah. He, uh, he just dropped off the face of the earth when everything was going well. And it was like, dude, and that one was, was, was surprising. But at the same he, time, he was like, huge as well. He was like, he was on USD. He was getting pro skates. He was on, yeah, he was on yeah. medium. And then, yeah, he just, he just dipped. Yeah. Yeah. Cause um, I mean, he, he was pursuing another career and stuff. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah. So he just did his own thing and just disappeared. I'm like, dude, what the, wow. That was kind of, you know, out of nowhere. And um, there's someone else too that did, uh, who's on team rollerblade. And he was a bird skater, um, and he just he just disappeared out of nowhere too. I'm like, oh wow, okay, <laughs> you know. Um, can't think who that is. Um, I've always wondered as well when when Bo at the start of your VG4 section is top, talking about Tomas and uh, Robert. He's talking about Robert Leavanos, but I'm guessing that Tomas is Thomas Benuelos. Is that right? Yeah. What happened to him? Because he wasn't everything. He wasn't. That's he another one too. So much Thank footage in the VGs, but never seemed to get on anyone. Like he never seemed to like get picked up or like. But he he had all the footage. He uh no he did and I don't know I think he just uh he had a uh, different uh, career opportunities I think because at the time he was just like he was going to start working or take skating serious and for some reason I don't know he just he didn't want to. He was really tight with us. Like he was really into, into our thing. And I, it was really weird, you know, at the time, especially here, California, when it was really reaching its height, um, a lot of people like either had animosity towards it or they got jealous and they wanted to find something equal in somewhere else, you know, right. like with graffiti or with some other kind of thing, you know, that was going on at the time. And like Tomas really got into like street art, graffiti and breakdancing and stuff. Okay. And he was also getting into construction. So he was just like, you know, I don't know, this is cool, but I'm I'm, I'm gonna find my popularity somewhere else, you know. And it was cool because it he he disappeared and then he would show up six years later and then say hi and then like right now I haven't seen him in years. Like he would just show up and then you know I haven't seen him forever. It's funny yeah. you mentioned this. Oh. Him, John Abina, and Jason Marshall. Whenever they're, I'd see they had clips in a video. They would be like standout clips, and then when all three of those just kind of just like evaporated i was like how can they how can they just go why is no one what is happening and i know jason marshall ended up in rams and whatever but it just didn't work out but like john abina just didn't seem to develop anywhere but yet had all this incredible footage and yeah thomas benwells yeah. as well oh yeah and there's there's been a lot of skaters like that over the years that you're just like yeah. what even like you said before armand armand marchand was like that yeah. too like he always was killing it and then i don't know just I don't know. It was just like a natural thing, I guess, you know, some people had like a different path, you know? Yeah. And um, we're lucky enough to get them, you know, for that little brief uh, time, you know, they're yeah. able to shine. <laughs> yeah. That was wild. Looking back on it, obviously you had the pro skate and, you know, all these other achievements and traveling the world and stuff. What, what do you look back on? Cause obviously, you know, you've moved on and you've got like a different life now. Do you look back on anything and go, that was that was like my greatest achievement or like that is, that is what I'm most proud of. Like, are there particular elements of like having a skate career that you were like, yeah, I really feel like that was, that was as good as it it, it got, you know, that particular yeah. thing. Yeah. Like on it, like, yeah, not, not even going to lie. That is probably, I think about that all the time that like there won't, there won't be anything as deep 
is that or as far as reaching an achievement like dude i made it to the x games dude like that, that's what i was gonna say like what 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 things in particular were you like i don't know just standing and i don't know standing in the x games like looking around being like there are like millions of people watching this and i am here they are watching dude, us the biggest awakening one was where i was standing on the top of the uh the, the drop-in ramp at uh san diego x games and when they're announcing my name they're like local favorite let's not try let's try not to make him nervous because he's a local this and that like totally totally rubbing it in dude and i'm like man i'm i'm choking right now like there's no way but then at the same to, time i'm going to like, wet myself stop it yeah I'm, I'm gonna crap my pants right now thank you <laughs> <laughs> you know but then at the same time like looking around and being like dude like this is this is it dude like i fucking made it like this is like not making it like financially but like this is as far as you can take a sport or whatever you're trying to do this is it dude I reached the top, you know, I could touch the top. It, it was cool, you know, and it was, it was funny because ultimately like it just started to decline after that, like the whole just skating in general, you know, like it's kind of, it was, it was, I don't know, cool was ride that, to wave. Was that the one Aaron one? Is it that wave one? Wave to ride. <laughs> was it what? Was it that X Games, the one that Aaron one? Is it that one you were? Yeah. 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 Um, when you turned 16. Yeah. How, like how, but how many people can say that they've had their name announced in front of like a massive like sports stadium style crowd and like it's essentially like being a rock star yeah no, i don't think anyone can like even today today's athletes with olympics and everything like there's no the timing couldn't be more perfect for that you know i don't think we've we might soon you know but like that was insanely awesome you know like I remember working a job dude and having a complete stranger hit me up and we're like, they knew of me and I had no idea and they were name dropping. And I'm like, what the hell? And then uh, she's like, yeah, my, my 16 year old crush was Aaron Feinberg. And I watched him, I watched it, the world sing happy birthday to him. And I'm like, what? Like, just like my supervisor or whatever at this, uh, this phone company that I was working for. I'm like, wow, that's what? Okay. And I'm like, okay, that's a reminder, you know, like, it was just so so cool such a small world you know and yeah yeah like I had, I had an older brother who was like 12 12 years older than me in the navy who didn't even live in our like family home when i started rollerblading and he could name pro rollerbladers like because he'd seen them in fhm or on sky sports or and he was like mm -hmm. da, 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 da. and i'm like how do you like how do you know that like someone who he'd never seen a skate video didn't never seen any of the magazines i had it was just yeah it was wild um were there any other like things in that that you were just like oh this is incredible like i've like obviously getting a pro skate getting like you know wheels with your name on it and stuff like that but yeah were there was there stuff outside of that that you were like this is yeah, yeah this is why there's a couple there two 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 things uh one time a lot in las vegas the asa had a uh an award ceremony and an award event and Levi's uh, was sponsoring it, and Levi's sponsored a uh, a private show, and uh, basically got you know the Far Side, the the group. Yes. Yeah, dude. Back then, uh, they uh, they hired them, and basically we had a private concert with the Far Side and another band, but we had basically a giant like auditorium in Vegas. Rent, rent, privately rented for us so no one could fuck with us no one we had we had our uh like our credentials and whatnot so we were like a private group and like it was rock star status dude and that that was another reminder it's like damn dude we, I think we made it dude 
this is badass. <laughs> that must have, have been that, concert. Yeah, that must have been around the Bizarre Ride Two era as well. So that's yep. when Farside were huge. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was a full on like I remember Chris Edwards being at the front door, dude. He was like the he was like the host, you know, and he was like letting everybody in, and it was so crazy, dude. Like it was nuts. I remember being at our hotel and getting ready and. Like I'm like, man, this must have like, I don't know, like movie stars or someone, you know, like because you have not a, you don't have a care in your in the world, you know, and you're just, you're just worried about getting ready and you're yeah. just going there, everyone's getting all just blasted, you know what I mean? And oh, and then um, Edwards going on stage and giving like the actual uh, dudes from Far Side like giving them drinks because they're like, yeah, man, we need something to drink. And Edwards was like, here you go, bro. Here's another, you know, tonic, gin and tonic. Here's some more, you know. It was awesome, dude. That was a good. That was a reminder there. And uh, and then another one was at the um, the uh, best trick event, the one that Jonathan Bertrand won. He won like ten grand for a uh, best Flat, trick. Flatspin one is that that yep. over, over yep. the gap? Flatspin yeah, the gap. yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, that was a badass time too, because everyone was just like, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, let's go to let's go to the fucking casino. Let's go to you know, let's go here, let's go there. It didn't matter, you know. Everything's paid for. And we're gonna do the same thing tomorrow. That was yeah, that, that was, was pretty wild, well, yeah. Plus, you were you did the MTV Music and Sports events as well, right? Yeah. Oh my God, that's another one. I didn't. Um, I didn't actually make the top ten, and that was a special, like a special invite thing. If you got invited to the Sports Music Festival, like, like you, you're you're on it. But like uh, Julio went. Um, I got to go. I like we didn't like get invited, but we got to go because we we're on tour, so it was at the same like place. It was in Texas, and. Uh, Dude, those guys, like, that's rock star status because they were smoking weed and everything with, like, the bands. Like, I mean, on, okay, this is some some kind of childish shit, but this shit happened. Um, you know the band Offspring? Oh, yeah. I do. Yeah. <laughs> you heard about that? I've, 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 I've heard about Offspring refusing to let their songs be played on while bleeders were on ramps and stuff, yeah. That, and that homo- happened. And, and the homophobia, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they refuse to. Uh, they just they they're pulling some high school really immature stuff, and they drew the line in the sand. And we're like, we're not being any what affiliated with inline skating. You guys are all whack. And the Wu Tang Clan was there, the Wu Tang, and they were like, no, nah, dude, this is cool. And uh, they smoked they smoked a blunt with Josh Petty and John Julio, uh, the RZA, and 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 uh, I think I think Method Man, and those guys. Yeah, dude. So it was on some crazy like wow okay but like yeah they all took sides you know what i mean i think that's probably like, yeah <laughs> i think that's on like most yeah most teenagers bucket lists to <laughs> to get stoned with the wu-tang clan i would imagine right? a, a lot of teenage boys would be like wow you just you just lived one of my dreams there okay <laughs> ultimately after experiencing the most like immature teenage bullshit where it's like okay like i guess i'm not cool to hang out with those guys but we'll go over here and hang out with you guys because we're cool like you know what I mean? Like how, how this, yeah. and it, that attitude hasn't changed. Like it's the same, you know? And, but right there was, you know, you just knew like, wow, this is for real. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's also, it's kind of weird that like in, in that era as well, a lot of those guys that were doing that and being like homophobic towards Bladen were significantly older. And it's like, it's almost like bullying. You're like, you're picking on a bunch of kids. Like that's like the equivalent of you and me going down to a skate park and like just slapping a scooter at a kid's hand and being like, no, you're lame. Like, yeah, that right there, Dave, that right there, they know what they're doing. They knew what they're doing and they still do now where they're, they're, they're doing that kind of like in, um, 
as an influence. You know what I mean? They're like, if we do this, the people, millions of people who look up to us, they'll just copy us. And they're doing the exact same thing. The whole homophobia, like, oh, well, you know, if these guys say it's cool. You know, that's why Tony Hawk went out of his way and deemed inline skating punk rock, because we're the only punk rock, you know, group out there, you know, and it's kind of weird. It's it's the ultimate outcast movement. Like there's, there's literally no financial or like, you know, yeah like career aspirations you can achieve with it, but people are still out there and they're still doing it and they're still doing it incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Out of pure love, you know? And uh, it's, it's crazy because those guys would make these statements with their, with their voice or with their actions. And like, dude, it, it sends shockwaves every time, dude, like that, that, you know, like, like I'm talking about it right now, like the offspring, bro, like they don't have to care. Even Sean White, these guys are massive icons and they go out of their way and they choose to just, do, you know, to demean us and just push us back to where i mean i guess that's another sign of, of you, you made it you know because if these guys are totally going out of their way to talk shit on you like it's kind of weird like yeah i remember because <laughs> sean white had an interview not that long ago on the nine club and i love watching their podcast just because the stories from skateboarding's history is incredible and oh, yeah. fascinating i'm not a big fan of skateboarding but the stories and the culture behind it is really interesting but even he yeah. made a point of bringing it up like he brought up blading just to slag it off and it's like you're a multi-millionaire and yet this is this is all you've got to talk about like you you can't think this is on your mind like really you've got nothing else to focus on like all the supermodels you date like all the films you're in like what Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it makes you think and it's like i think we did our job in a way of being like the you know the thorn you know inside in a way but did you experience because you obviously grew up in like the epicenter of blading like you were really close to san diego really close to the industry when you know the industry was based there like did you experience a lot of that growing up or were there any like particularly bad instance of that other than you know ones that stand out with like the offspring and stuff like that because it, it felt like that was rampant during that time it was whereas, whereas well, now never... it's not so cool to be an aggressor like now if you do stuff like that a lot of people will be like you're being an asshole like Whereas, yeah, but yeah. back then people were running wild. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in some some situations, it was it was pretty chill. But like, I don't know. It, uh, there was a lot of gang stuff going on too at that time, like kids and whatnot. Like the, the gang situations were bad. So us being a positive group, like me and my friends, you know, all the skating, we they were like, okay, you're cool. Like you don't you're not a threat. And like whenever we would skate places, that was. The skateboarders, it was weird. Like we saw the whole like skateboarding kind of becoming this like gang, like, like, well, they were just like the enemy. They became this weird enemy over time where when we started skating and we would hit up skate spots, the skateboarders there were always usually cool, you know, and most of the, most of the pro skateboarders were always cool. Like after skating, like blading got big and popular and it got established. We would always run into like pro skateboarders at the same schools because we and skate the same shit yeah that's what i wonder you know? because like dude one time we ran into the zero team uh, actually i ran into the zero team a couple times you know jamie thomas and all them and uh we ran into them and they were shooting and stuff and they were cool like they never talked shit you know and we would we would we would just watch them you know just because they're doing dope you know they're they're killing it and we would skate like another obstacle right around the corner and then it was funny because you would we would we would go off of each other like they would hear us che- cheering and then we would hear them cheering because you know we're all skating some shit yeah and um when they would finish we would go over to their stuff you know and try to skate it because they were always skating the dope spot you know, i was like, about to say because they, they all like like 
the rails and the gaps and stuff. And that was you, not that many skateboarders were skating those that kind of terrain at that time. They were like known for it. So when they saw you guys yeah, skating sure. that stuff as well, they must have been like, even if you think the sport's lame or whatever, it's easier. You must just be like, whoa, you guys are you guys are risking your bodies as yeah. well. You know, they respect it, dude. They in person when you see us do stuff, it's very respect. You know, it's it's totally different than watching it on a video. It's like oh, and they're like we got a whole. I know we, we gained a whole level of respect, different respect, like running into those guys all the time. Like Jimmy Thomas is cool, you know, like in person, you know, and, and everyone else. And, um, oh, there's another guy, what is his name? Adrian Lopez, I think. Yeah, Adrian Lopez. We would run in him, into him a lot. Okay. And uh, he, he was cool. Shorty little Mexican guy. He was all tatted up. And uh, he was always at a lot of the skate spots that we would go to. And he was pretty cool. And one time, dude, we skated this one spot, me and Dominic Sedona. And... Um, uh day one song was there and uh uh willie santos okay and dude we were skating yeah dude we were skating this thing dude and dominic oh fuck, what video was it in uh it's this huge bank to this uh square rail and it's on like a freeway overpass like it is massive dude so imagine a rain gutter like an empty rain gutter a storm drain and then like you know how they have massive banks and on the top of it it was like a square fencing railing yeah. And uh, Dominic was doing like alley top horns on it. And it was massive, dude. And he was doing it like nothing. And those guys were just blown away. They're like, what the fuck? And uh, they had a bunch of camera equipment. And I ran out of tapes. And I just like, I just asked them, like, hey, do you guys have any digital tapes by any chance? Like, I'll buy one off you. And they're like, no, dude, here you go. And they, they gave me like two tapes. And I was able to film Dominic and stuff. Like, it was a really cool, like, you know, uh, bridging that's, that's one of those things though like <laughs> when, when you see a talent like that in real life it, it transcends what you think is cool or what you like when you see someone of that much obvious ability even if you don't like the thing they're doing you can't deny how good it is that like dominic's mm -hmm. gonna just dead incredible Dude, stuff it was for the murder one video that's what it was for we're filming for the m1 video i don't know if you remember that one remember murder oh one? yeah 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 I, I i like i remember the video yeah because it had all the crazy effects in his section and yeah Dom, dominic was always one of my favorite skaters yeah dude yes so he it was that moment i'll never forget like and those guys we let they left with an impression because dominic was like dude i'm gonna lace that shit and he did it because i think because of those guys were there you know like yeah. it was cool um Plus, I could understand Jamie Thomas like actually respecting a different sport because he was kind of an outcast in skateboarding. Like everyone thought he was a cook, even though he was amazing. Like they all just like yeah. he got cool guyed a lot by like other people in the industry, which is why I think he started zero. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, I could imagine there's quite a lot of people like that, especially like Mike Valelli and stuff like that. So always kind of like stood up for blading and being like, you know, I'm I'm an outcast in skateboarding. He's like, so I I get I get crap off skateboarders too, so you kind of can appreciate yeah. it. And yeah, and there's there's this other thing going on too called life that you know, you know, it, it hits hard. And if you you know if you're good enough to find something that you love, you know, like maybe you shouldn't rag on somebody who has the same love. You know, <laughs> it it does say a lot about like the type of people that do stuff like that. Like you're like this is this is what you're dedicating your, you know you're being so passionate about disliking someone you don't even know or like see if you see if you're not into it or you think it's crap just don't look at it or just don't but to actively participate in trying to like belittle someone or make someone feel like crap about themselves for doing something you don't like you're like that just says more about you that says that you're not yeah. a you're not either a not a nice person or not a happy person yeah like, why are you mad <laughs> yeah, yeah. why are you mad <laughs> like, you need a hug um yeah 
so aside from that, like, what was, are there any like particular like negative things you look back on or things that you were like, God, that was, that was a real low point or like that really bummed me out on skating or, you know, like, because there must, there must've been moments where you were just like, you mentioned Senate and afterwards, and I can imagine having been on such a high, like if that ends being like, wow, what now? But like, were there any other kind of moments like that? Yeah. Like, I mean, pretty much almost every time that like, a company would leave or, you know, like would either go out of business or if I, you know, just left, you know, pretty much every time, you know, like, uh, I mean, probably when Rollerblade, you know, left, that was, that was, a, that was a bummer, you know, and Senate in general, like just, you know, like, fuck, cause it's, it was a major, like, I don't know. It, it was just a, another reminder that like, you know, not all good things last forever, you know, and it's yeah. like, damn, you know, like this could have been rat, but I don't know. <laughs> Plus, rollerblades the, like, the identifiers. Like, I always think a rollerblade is like Hoover. Like, like you'll say, "Oh, I inline skate," or even, well, I've, I can I can't remember the last time I said I inline skate. He's go, "I rollerblade." Just like yeah. you know, you go, "I'm not going to vacuum the house. I'm going to Hoover the house because that has become so like ingrained in it that the, the the brand's taken on a different meaning. So, for that to leave just anyone in the industry must have been like, well, that's terrifying. If, if they're gone, we're, we're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Like there's no, yeah, there's no, like not, not validation, but like, I don't know. It was probably the same when, um, like in skateboarding, when, uh, uh, like when birdhouse left or when, um, or like when, uh, does trans world still, no, trans they, world still? They, they sold, I think they sold, or it was either transport, Transworld or Skateboarder yeah, magazine right. sold one of them sold to the barracks. I can't remember which, but yeah, they they both died. Yeah, like I can imagine when that when those guys went away, probably the same feeling like sent shockwaves where it's like, okay, well, now what? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine. Right, let's bring it back to a positive note. You've had numerous skate sections over the years. Esco Zoo with uh yeah, like with Senna, with like in the eulogy video, Divinity, which we never even got onto. Like looking back, what what is your like favorite one? What if if someone says, "Show me a section of your skating," do you think, "Oh, you have to see this one. This is like as good as I I ever was." Oh, that's easy. Uh, uh, the physics video. Oh, when I, I was on physics. Yeah. Hands down, like probably my favorite because I was in in my peak health and the tricks I did, like I. I didn't think I could do it. And I, I really pushed it, dude, like, like 360 sweaties and just, uh, you know, hurricane topsoles and just crazy transfers. And there's this one ledge I kind grinded, dude. It's like the, the biggest ledge I've ever kind grinded is it, it's at the, the school called Wrench Bernardo High. Yeah. I know and, the uh, one you mean, like the one, like, uh, like Bruno Lowe and like some guys, just, uh, Oh God, who else has done stuff down it? Uh, I do know like, is yeah. The, is it on the right? Is it the yeah. massive one? Yeah. yeah I know like, the uh, one you mean. Yeah. Yeah, that I I pushed it because dude, those frames were so awesome. They made it so easy to just throw yourself. <laughs> that that was not like physics, although they were short lived. Like they had the all star team. They had that video, Masters of Delusion, and you know what? Yeah, it was that was another like it was brief, but it was they made a huge impact on skate. And like think of all the brands that have tried to recreate physics frames. Like Create Originals tried it, Kaiser tried it, like. That, yeah, it's undeniable the impact that Tom Heiser and that that idea had. 
yeah, that, that time, like when, like another thing, you know, like how com- the, some of the companies that came and went, like that was such a, it was like an earthquake, the amount of uh, movement it made, you know what I mean? Like it, it came through and made a change. Like the guy who, who came up with that technology, he ended up, excuse me, he ended up selling it to um, a, a hockey company called Mission. Okay. Mission, Mission Hockey, I guess. And um, so that was kind of like the end of it, just the business business aspect of it. So that's why it stopped. I always thought they were just too expensive to produce to make it worth their while. Yeah, it was that too. And it right. was because the manufacturing, um, I don't, China wasn't established quite yet, you know, as far as going out for, uh, uh, for manufacturing. And um, everything was being made either here or um, somewhere else, like in uh, uh, the like not Taiwan, but like somewhere, somewhere overseas, but it was still kind of pricey. And at the end of the day, it just made up, made a really expensive product. And uh, like, we all invested in it, like me and like two, two other skaters, like we all put in, you know, good amount of money into the company and we all got our investment back, but it was crazy, dude. Cause it was going to be a badass thing, you know, like, like who, it was a perfect idea having um, suspension, individual suspension for each wheel, you know, like that's perfect. That's a good idea. Like, I don't know. Thought it would stick. <laughs> I'm now trying to guess who the other two skaters were because I know Dominic Sagona asked. This one of the few times I've heard of of like an established pro asked to be on a team because I remember Dominic like approached Tom and went, "Yeah, I like I want to ride these frames for your company." Yeah. And you're not yeah, going to tell was... me who the other two skaters are. Is that is that what's happening here? Mm. Well, there's Walt. Right. Okay, Walt. that makes sense. Well, Austin and um, it was me, Walt, and uh, da, 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 Julian Baugh. No way. I did not know Julian invested in it. Walt, Walt makes sense. Walt, who just did not get what he deserved in bleeding at all. Like, if, like, Walt's- I think Julian did. I think his parents did. I think, because we all, like, Tom told us that we all, we all had uh, the opportunity to, and we all did. So, right. I don't know. I think, because that was like the, that's how it was made. Because it was, it was crazy, man. Like we went to the bank a bunch of times, like the, to meet up with the investors and whatnot. And it was, it was a full on business. You know, I remember going into a, a skate pile with, with Tom in, in Atlanta and then going to the actual physics office and it was, you know, there's employees and stuff. It was, it was pretty crazy. You know, they're building them and stuff and packaging them. And that idea, it, yeah. that concept would be great right now. Cause the, just how easy everything is, you know, you can go to you can go get things manufactured, come over here, put on Instagram, put on Facebook. Everything would be totally different now. They're, they're so ahead of their time, dude. <laughs> yeah. With yeah, with the internet and like being able to buy all these products and look at them and you know, send over specifications like like in real time. I can't imagine how anyone did it before then. Like Tom doing that, because th- that frame had so many moving parts. To do that in a time before, like, you know, just being able to instant message a factory, like that. That must have taken an insane amount of effort, planning, intelligence. Like weeks to get a message across and to get it like on point, you'd have to, it was all emails. Yeah, and so then, that's what I mean, just for it to come back and like in something that actually works like that. Yeah. <laughs> it was just guessing. It was all guessing. I remember being there, dude, and them getting a shipment and everyone just stressing, like, I hope all the measurements are right. Because you, you know how many parts were in there. There's like the, the compression plug, the pins. All the things, dude, a little, little baby, little nuts and bolts. Yeah. You know, the colors were off, you know, sometimes and man, that was, and then the, then the anti-rocker setups, that was pretty cool. 
with like the plugs in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. And people still skate those to this day. Like people still, one of my friends in Scotland has a pair that he skates flat in. And I'm like, they're still holding up. That's nuts. Because they're like, they're like the Impala, you know, or, or uh, like a car. I mean, like another yeah, yeah. car, like a classic car. Um, yeah, just, yeah, look after it and it just keeps going. Yeah. Um, so obviously at one point, you either chose to move away or had to move away from skating as as a career. Like obviously you still did it because you, you know you were in like the denial video, Esco Zoo was still going. Like you were still skating and you were still skating at a great level, but it, I'm assuming it wasn't paying it stopped paying the bills. Yeah. Yeah, eventually, yeah, because like right around denial, uh the like the denial video. Yeah. Uh, you also got you got injured then as well right yeah yeah i broke my leg really bad Uh, i broke my tib and fib from from skating um is that uh, is that like the worst injury you've ever had yeah dude yeah that one next to uh uh just just um i got i've been knocked out a couple times from skating and like just whiplash and you know just taking face plants but definitely my uh breaking my left leg was bad Cause I had to, I had to, I was basically out for a year, you know, yeah. on like bedridden for nine months and then rehabilitation and physical therapy and stuff. And I still have hardware in there. Like uh, I've got five screws with like a, a rod going in between them. So yep. that's fun. Yep. <laughs> I, every, everyone that skated long enough eventually gets the metal work. Yep. I've got the metal work in my arm. Yeah. Yep. I, so I can, I can feel your pain. Um, for Robocops. <laughs> so, yeah. So it, what, like, did did you like plan for it or did you like you know have a contingency plan for or did it just kind of creep up on you and you're like right need to do something about this and you know get have some steady money coming in yeah it just kind of crept up in a way like how the inevitability was for everybody you know like just there's no there's no industry there's not everything just kind of died out and uh um yeah just had to go find a job (laughs) you know I had some money saved, but kind of went through it, you know, a little bit, just just being stupid and then just living life and experiencing some, some hardships, you know, some up and downs and, you know, just had to, had to find a job, you know, I still skate though. But uh, from that point, like the denial video was basically like the, the exiting, you know, the exodus of, I mean, I, it sucks because I've never officially said I've retired, but I don't know because there's no real industry. So, but I just, I just still skate though. I don't know. So well, I don't know. to be honest, it isn't even like you retired. It's like the industry yeah. essentially retired and you just happened to still, still be going. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Industry retired. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like, obviously, like, I know that you still like skate one, like, you know, whenever you can, whenever like free time dictates and stuff like that, obviously not as much as you used to, but I'm assuming you're still keeping an active eye like on the industry and skating and stuff like that. Like, do you have, do you have like favorite skaters now or like people that you watch and you're like, God, they're like, they're really exciting to, I love checking out their stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. Um, uh, shoot. Anybody like, um, well, there's a bunch of stuff like with people who are really, really into it, like the news and whatnot, like, um, like this week in blade. Oh, you know, the, uh, He's he's doing a great job, Kevin. Yeah, Biz. Yeah, you know. He do, yeah, he does a great job. Yeah, yeah, he's killing it, dude. I love I love everything he's doing. Of course, Julio, you know. But as far as skaters, dude, um, like 
dude, Julian from France. Um, oh, Crudeau. Yeah. Yeah, Crudeau, dude. Dude, he stayed in my house. Uh, he's for, he, for he's a, a machine. Days. Yeah. Dude, he's a beast. And, um, oh, dude, uh, who else? Julian's a badass. Uh, I always thought you would like a skater like Eugen Ennen. I thought he would appeal to you for having like kind of like, like the old school hip hop style, but then also being really creative because that was something that like you had elements of in your skating. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, shoot, what's his name? Uh, oh, God, dude. Nils? Nils is a Nils Janssen's, yeah. Nils is a beast. So you like, like, you, you like the big boys then. That's what you're saying. You like the guys that, that put, out the, put out the big boy stuff. Well, yeah, I, I like all of it. I like the technical dudes, you know, um, uh, like, um, but I, I do, I, I do like the, I do like the stunt guys, dude. Like right. they hold it down. Oh man. Uh, why is my mind going blank right now? I, I watch so much skating. It's such an awful thing to do to someone. You go name your, like, I know if someone went like, name your like five favorite skaters or something, I'd be like, Oh no. And, and then afterwards you hate yourself for like forgetting yeah, someone that was really up. important. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's fair. That's fair. I just always kind of wonder, yeah, because like you guys were like spoiled for talent in Escondido. Like you mentioned, yeah, like Luis Zamora, like Dominic Segona, all those guys. So, yeah, I, I always kind of wonder. Like Joe Atkins is a badass. He's actually, Joe Atkinson uh, is probably the, the, the purest skater, like right now, as far as just free flowing and still touring and doing his thing. Like, like the grassroots aspect of it, but still ripping, you know, like, yeah, yeah, he's destroying, you know, and, um, and Miguel, Miguel's a badass. Like he's always been a badass, you know, from Puerto Rico. Yeah. You know, and I've noticed that, uh, well, uh, Demetrius, Demetrius George is, he's coming back with the vengeance, dude. Like he's, he's a Greek God. Like he's a Like, I, yeah. When yeah. when skaters from that era say oh, I'm going to make a comeback, it can go really really badly. But it's like the the number of skaters from that era have come back and realized they're completely out of their depth, or their body can't handle it, or it's just a different landscape. But Dimitris came back and just went on an absolute killing spree, and everything he skates looks terrifying. Like the the speed. The, the risk just everything and you're like wow like, how are you jumping that high he's always had hops but it's like dude you're you're back and you're like you're hungry <laughs> like <laughs> I, I genuinely think he might be skating better now than he did when he was pro for usd like some of the stuff he's seen now i'm like i don't remember it, it being that big or that fast like that's yeah like, so yeah like yeah. the latest stunt he did like with the he jumped up with left foot top sole and then transferred up to the to the to the uh, like guarding rail in and Arizona, so, yeah. So we held, dude. I'm like, what the? Yeah, oh, love it. Um, yeah, Chad Hornish did do it first, but he didn't do it to true topsoil. He only did it. I'm pretty sure it was like topsoil, topsoil, or topsoil. So, but yeah, to do it, to do it that to true topsoil is messed up. So yeah, um, I have taken up an insane amount of your time today. There's so many other things I could ask you about, like yeah like you said like working physics video you were also you're a member you're also involved in like all these like other smaller companies as well weren't you like uh what was it called was it division clothing or something yeah yeah division was badass that was uh just a side project with a uh, a friend who did graffiti and um 
Who, who was in the division stuff. again? Um, Brandon Campbell was on there. Uh, me, Chris Happy was on there for a little bit. Um, the owner was his name was Brandon, but he okay. he wasn't he wasn't a skater or anything. He was just right. he was a fan. Um, yeah. yeah, I just remember you be yeah involved in all these little pockets of things as well, like looking back on it what is like your overall impression of it or what what have you like do you think you've like learned or like reflected on like because obviously i imagine when you've lived a life like that there must be some times in your current life when you think back to certain moments or you think back about i don't know what what you've taken away from it all so i've just kind of wondered like have you had any realizations in older life like about your time as a pro skater like realization moments where it's like like, uh, oh, yeah, like it's humbled me, you know, just seeing the things I've seen and gone and experienced certain things like it's humbled me to the point where like, I might get deep with this, but like being in America after traveling so much and seeing so much of how other how things work, I feel like I have to like dumb myself down. Now, you know what I mean? In, in, if, in if what makes, sense? It will, in a way, because you, you see the other side of how the world works, you know what I mean? And how there is other there's more to it, you know, with business and like other levels, you know what I mean? Okay. And, um, and from seeing that and exposing that, like I'm humbled to where like now I, I have something to learn from where I don't know there's, there's something greater out there, you know? And you, if, if you keep working, you, you'll get there. You know what I mean? There's always something more to, to achieve. And um, I don't know, like, but now like working, like, you know what I mean? Like being going on tour and seeing the life and like having other, exposures and stuff like and then coming back into the real world you know and not being forced but like there's no industry there's no uh competition circuit or anything to, anything to apply myself for so when i see like when i'm i'm in real life now like i don't know it just seems a couple steps back you know like i like i said before like i have to dumb myself down a little bit you know like only if the rest of the world knew <laughs> yeah plus i imagine it must have been really eye-opening going to all these different countries and seeing how getting insight into how they work and then come back to America and being like, there's things we could improve here. Or like this, this would be so much better if like I could take this from this country or this. Cause yeah, and yeah. the various places I've lived abroad, I'm like, why is, why is the UK never thought of this? This is so efficient. Why don't, yeah. why don't like we the do common this? Sense factor. Yeah, yeah. The common sense factor. That's, that's, I got that a lot traveling. Like, wow. Like, why don't, like, I feel like I, you know, from seeing so much, you know, trying to apply that here, like you know, it, it's hard sometimes, but that's why I felt, that's why I said being dumbed down because you, right. you experience that and you want to apply that here. And it's just like, no, like <laughs> that's why they do it over there. It's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, but yeah, okay. I've, you know, I've, I've humbled, I've, I've been humbled from traveling and seeing so much cool stuff and just been enlightened, you know, that's trying to show that to other people. Yeah. And as a result of, just being a guy on skates you got to visit all these countries that most people even with respectable jobs or jobs that you know they're not worried about money like you know they can pay their bills or they can pay their mortgage every you know month most people would still never get to see some of the places you've been and that's like that's got to be an incredible thing to cherish to be like i went to you know like xxxxx country and oh yeah and you tell yeah, other that, people that or like, I don't know, you're sitting at a dinner party or whatever, like you've had friends around for a beer and you mention it and just every single one of them is like, I've never been there. I've never, yeah. like, I've never even been yeah. close to there. 
yeah, like I said earlier, like it's a trip because you try to relate and no one can relate. And you're like, okay, well, I wish smartphones and these devices were around back in the day because God, you know, it would be so cool to show that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you'd have enough phones to be able to store all that that memory. Like over over the years, with all those experience, like the photos and videos, you'd have ran out of so many iPhones it would have been unreal. Although you you were raking in the cash back then, so you could just get buying new ones. <laughs> yeah, or have like an external an external hard drive for your phone. <laughs> yeah, um, I have taken up an insane amount of your time today. Thank you very much for agreeing to do this. I. I, did, I knew you were going to have a lot of stories, but yeah, I, I'm, I was even surprised by, I'm a massive geek and even I'm surprised by some of the knowledge you laid down on me. So thank you very much for this. Oh, thank you, David. Thank you. And if you ever want to have me on again, I'm down. We'll, we'll, we'll chop it up again. Got I mean, some more stories. I could easily come up with another, a couple of hundred questions. That would, that would be no issue whatsoever. But um, yeah, I'll let you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much for taking the time today. And uh, yeah, hopefully speak soon. All right, brother. Thank you. Later. Bye. Yeah.